Hello Shadowbugs welcome to the next episode of the Photo Walk podcast this is Hari here and today we are going to be discussing photography what to buy and what not to buy comes to photography it's really imperative that you know you need a slight investment to get good results and this does not mean just your camera you, you can have the best camera ever but uh, not get the best photos just because you lack a few equipment and that is what we're going to discuss today this is applicable for people who have a camera as well as are going to use their own phones for photography because smartphones are getting more and more competitive in um, photography and uh, basically image editing even so we're going to discuss what equipment all of you might need to get into photography before you take the first step this is so that of course uh, you can know beforehand the kind of investment you'll need so that you can budget and fix brand of equipment maybe and the type of equipment you're going to buy let's get into the topic right away the first thing i would suggest is a memory card if you're taking photos on your phone and you don't have a phone with an extendable memory <coughs> iphones it's just very important that you have a very good memory card in your phone and in your camera so that you can take photos and not be scared of the memory card getting corrupted not be scared of the photos not being saved properly it really ensures a great transfer speed when you're transferring it from say your memory card to your phone memory or from your memory card to your laptop for editing and this really helps you keep your sanity for the most part so what i suggest if you have a camera is that you use a uhs1 card or a uhs2 card depending on if your camera supports it please check your camera's user manual to see the kind of card you are supposed to use in your camera okay for example i have an older camera that uses uhs1 i don't think it supports uhs2 so please just go through your camera user manual or your phone user manual and check out the kind of card you're supposed to use in your camera or phone and please buy a good one it's not about buying a card with the highest memory you can get cards that have 1 terabyte of memory these days i personally would not use them okay i probably get something that's like 32 gigabytes and maybe buy another one for 32 gigabytes and that's it that's all i need the problem with buying something with 1 terabyte of memory would be that you know if that card goes corrupt and cards do go corrupt you lose 1 terabyte whereas if you kind of compartmentalize your data you buy say 32 gigabytes uh, cards you are saved so much hassle in case even one goes corrupt so get a card that's fast that suits your camera or your phone and frankly get a card that's branded because a bad card can even corrupt your card reading mechanism in your camera or your phone The next thing I would suggest is something I wish I had known when I started my journey as a photographer. I genuinely suggest you get a good tripod. I used to use this camera. It was the Sony CyberShot Alpha 1R. 
it was a point and shoot camera it was not a dslr but it was a fixed lens slr as they called it it was a beautiful camera it was really really capable for its time and what i noticed was i was taking photos but there was a lack of sharpness in them and i i really could not understand the reason so i went to this friend of mine who was a professional photographer and i asked him what's going on what is this about and he told me it's more about shake it's about the camera not capturing that image without shake and the only way to solve it is through using a tripod and no i was not shooting those uh, long exposure images or anything it was just normal photos normal portraits maybe even that were getting a little bit less sharp because of the shake when you get a tripod there are obvious benefits like you get shake free photos you get those tack sharp photos as they call it and it really takes the load of you in a lot of situations quite literally you can use it for macro photography it's kind of an imperative for macro photography for night photography for architectures for product shots and astrophotography it's a given you need a tripod you absolutely need a tripod when you get a tripod i think there are a few things you need to know about we'll probably do a episode for tripods themselves i think what you should note is the extended and collapsed size of a tripod that is when you completely extend the tripod how high can the tripod go or what is its size and when you completely collapse it what is the size this will be useful if you are going to travel with your tripod or not check the load capacity the load capacity is not the weight of the tripod but rather the weight the tripod can hold i made this mistake by buying a cheap tripod then realizing that it can't hold the weight of my camera and you have to understand cameras are costly pieces of equipment you drop it you break it it's gone and it's kind of easy to break too considering all the glass that's in there so when you get a tripod make sure it can support the weight of your camera and your lens and maybe a little bit more keep a buffer space so that even if you buy a bigger lens you can use the same tripod you need to check the head type of the tripod what that is is that when you buy a tripod and you go for the cheaper ones you get a completely assembled tripod that is you get the legs and you get the head together it's usually not removable but some do come up with uh, you know removable heads but i i really would suggest you don't go for the cheaper ones now the head type what you should note is there are different kinds of head there are at least 5 or 7 types of tripod heads out there but what i suggest is a ball head kind of tripod head if you can afford it it is definitely costlier this helps you keep your sanity and it really makes adjusting the camera very very easy you just need to turn one knob and you can adjust the whole camera tilt pan everything and that's a genuine benefit for me but you really do need to get a good ball head so that your camera doesn't creak like if you get a cheap one and you lock it in and you're taking long exposure photos and your camera starts creeping it slowly moves down because of the weight it ruins the whole shot it's going to drive you insane so when you go for a ball head tripod or whatever tripod it is do get one that really can support the weight of your camera and leave a buffer space for it the next kind of tripod head that i would suggest is a pan and tilt head tripod okay these are relatively cheaper 
these are the ones that come with those cheaper pre-assembled tripods but you can also get these by themselves and you know they vary from very cheap ones to very very costly ones. I suggest going somewhere in between and again consider the weight of your camera and your gear and consider that you might probably be keeping your hand over it trying to focus and all of that. Leave a buffer space for that too. When you get a tripod head, you should make sure that it is compatible with the rest of the tripod unit. That is, it is compatible with the legs. You should note that tripod heads come with mounts and they should be the same size as the legs. It's only then that you can screw in the tripod head or use it with the legs and have it work properly. In short, make sure your tripod head is compatible with the rest of your tripod. The next thing to note is the feet type. Weirdly enough, there are different kinds of feet that a tripod comes with. You can have a rubber foot for the tripod and it helps you in indoor conditions. If you're putting it on marble, if you're putting it on tiles and trying to shoot a shot, it makes sure that the tripod doesn't slip around. But if you're outside, if you're going for outdoor shots, you're putting it on mud, you're putting it on gravel, you're putting it on grass, you might need to go for one that has feet uh, that are spiked. And there are also tripods that come with custom feet. I think I saw a tripod. It comes with a rubberized feet, but when you twist it, spikes come out. And that was really amazing because that it's like having two worlds in one. The next thing I would suggest you buy is a good camera bag. Again, a good camera bag. It should really be something that's waterproof. It should be padded and preferably large enough to accommodate your camera properly. I mean, don't get something that's too tight because it puts a lot of stress on the camera lens and on the camera lens mount that might end up kind of affecting its function. So when you get a bag, again, go for waterproof, padded and comfy for the camera. If you're using a phone, I'd suggest you carry a plastic bag, a Ziploc plastic bag so that you don't get your phone wet. I understand phones come with waterproofing and uh, dustproofing and all that, but it's all subjective. You get your phone wet and it does get some water inside. There's nothing really much you can do about it. So it's, it's always better to be on the safe side. I always carry a few Ziploc bags in my bag when I'm traveling so that I can put my phone, maybe any other electronic equipment I have, batteries and all that, so that they don't get wet. The next thing might seem like it's not a necessity, but it really is. And uh, the thing I'd suggest you get is a cleaning kit. A cleaning kit, not just a basic one, get one with a blower, a lens pen, a microfiber cloth, cleaning wipes, uh, you can get these separately, I think Zeiss makes very good ones, and a lens cleaning cloth. Of course, you can substitute your cloth that you use to clean your glasses with as your lens cleaning cloth, but the others are necessary. I'll get into detail in an episode about these, about cleaning your camera. And uh, we'll discuss all of these further in it. This goes especially for DSLR owners. If you're using a mobile phone, there are alternatives. But this is primarily for my DSLR users. 
I really would suggest that if you have the money, go get a prime lens. It makes a world of difference in the kind of photos you can take. It is a fixed zoom lens, like 15 millimeters. You can't zoom in or out or anything. But the kind of educational experience it gives you to zoom without the lens, to compose without zooming with the lens and all of that, and the kind of photos it takes, the sharpness, the aperture you get with a prime lens, it's absolutely amazing. I, I really would suggest that you invest in a prime lens if you have the money for it or at least try it out there are a lot of shops that lend you lenses try using it from there either way the experience is mandatory if you are on a phone i i really would suggest that you buy a macro lens even if your phone does have a macro camera i would suggest that you get a macro lens attachment there are ones that clip onto your phone and are relatively cheap uh, but there are also others that are more professional like they have a dedicated case for your phone and then it kind of bolts onto the case they are of course costly but i really would suggest that you get a macro attachment for your mobile camera the next thing i suggest you buy is a card reader if your laptop already doesn't have a card reader in it and I suggest you go for a good one because bad ones do corrupt cards. I've had one corrupt my memory card and I, I lost a lot of photos and the memory card itself. It's not usable anymore. So please get a good one when you get a card reader if you need it. The next thing I want you all to get is an editing software. There are of course free ones but ones like Lightroom and Photoshop are paid ones and they are kind of costly. So factor it into your investment when you budget for your photography. And if you're using your phone, you can use Lightroom Mobile and Snapseed for the best effects. Even what I used to do as a beginner photographer, because I couldn't afford these softwares, were that I used to import my photos into my phone from my DSLR. And then I would edit them on Lightroom Mobile or on Snapseed and then put it back into my computer and then upload them. It was a hassle but kind of worth it considering that these softwares really are costly. Especially for a student, especially for someone just getting into photography, not sure if they would stick to it, if it's a hobby, if you want to make it a profession and all of that. I really would suggest that you try out the free options first. They do have trials, I believe. Try out the trials and then if you can't afford it, if you see that you can't afford it, move to the mobile versions. They are capable and are free. So these are the five things I would recommend that every beginner photographer have when you start your photography journey. It's really really imperative that you have at least uh, these stuff before you start so that you don't run into hurdles and you don't really have to be on an assignment and then find out oh shit i needed a tripod or damn i i really really could use that prime lens right now so that's all for this episode of the photo walk podcast thank you all for listening you've been a very wonderful audience i really appreciate it if you could give me a review on whatever platform you're using this on it really really helps the podcast and i really would love to read your suggestions 
and your comments please do keep commenting i'll give you shout outs for the best comments if you need details about the products i use the kind of equipment i have do share it in the comments if i receive enough comments for that i'll be sure to share it in the next episode thank you all for listening i'll meet you in the next episode i haven't really decided on what the next episode should be about if you have comments if you have suggestions regarding what you want to learn i'd be more than happy to cover it in an episode please do comment the same thanks again for listening